0: Today, the, the whole sermon, this whole series of sermons, is simply this. This is what it boils down to. If Jesus Christ has come into your life, he has changed you and made you new. But friends, we need to realize the opposite of that is true. If there's not been any change in your life, Jesus is not there. And here's the reality of it, too, that if you can't say, say, you know what, I got saved 40 years ago and Jesus changed my life, that's a wonderful thing. But if you have to go back 40 years for Jesus to have changed you and worked on your life, you don't know him. <laughs> because when Jesus has given you a fresh start, a new start, you know him, and he's constantly remaking you. You see, he has given us new standing and made all things new, given us this fresh start but it's not just a one time decision. It's not a well I've got my you know halo uh I'm set and I'm good. I got my get to heaven card. Well, it's good to have that heaven card. And the way you get that card is by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, accepting that gift that he gave on the cross of Calvary. But friend, if you're going to carry that heaven card you understand that you have to be continually changed. Continually blinded by light. And this morning we're going to look and meet several fellows whose lives were transformed and changed, and new starts given. Change is a wonderful thing, change is something that we oftentimes don't like altogether. Uh, In fact, change sometimes gets a bad rap. But we understand, all of us, that change is a part of life. And the world that we're living in today is changing faster than it has ever before. It used to take years and decades uh, for change to occur. Now it's happening in days and weeks. And it seems like things are constantly in flux. But the one thing that remains the same and constant is Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's the same today as he was yesterday, and he'll be the same again tomorrow. And Jesus Christ wants to continue to make and calls us to continually allow him to make change in our life. Because the reality is, we don't just need one fresh start in our life. Can I tell you the reality for all of us is, We need multiple fresh starts in our life. There are multiple times we have to call out to God and say, Lord, fall fresh on me. David said it this way in Psalm 51. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sometimes we get in just such a rut, and we're just going through the motions, not meaning to, but that's what happens. And God doesn't want that for us. God wants us to know him and know him intimately and experience transformation on a daily basis. Because while we say, you know what, praise God, God has changed me, the reality is God is still working to change you because you're not what you ought to be just yet. This side of heaven, you're not what you ought to be. And so change is necessary oftentimes, and change can be a good thing. Now, change change isn't always good. Sometimes change is bad. But we have to understand and just kind of roll with with the change. And so I want to take your Bible. We're going to look at Acts chapter 9 uh, this morning. Probably a familiar story to many of you. Uh, Perhaps one of the greatest uh, conversion stories in the New Testament. We're going to meet Saul, and for us to understand who this Saul character is, let me give you some background before we look at Acts chapter 9. Saul was a Jew of He was a pious, pious Jew. He thought, man, he, he kept every law, he kept it to the letter. Man, he was as straight as an arrow, and, and thought he was a, a godly person. And when we first meet uh, Saul, we meet him in chapter uh, 7 and 8. And we meet him here in chapter 9. We're going to see him just me going about to round up Christians. In chapter 8, he consented to Stephen's death, Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Saul was there and, in fact, consented, gave permission or authorized that to take place. So he, though he thought he was a godly person, was certainly not doing godly things. And so, what we want to find is, when we meet Saul, he's Saul. But by the time we're done with him today, his name is going to be Paul. God changes him. And so the first thing that I want us to see this morning is that there was a change in Paul now, we're going to read several verses, and we're going to skip around a little bit. I'll try to uh, help you keep up and, uh, as we're reading together. But verse 1 says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters for him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, meaning believers in Christ, Whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Drop down to verse 20 with me. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed And said, is it not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived uh, in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So we meet this fellow, thought he was a good guy and thought he was a God-honoring man, and God showed up and said, Saul, buddy, what are you doing? He thought he was in the light, but when the light came, it blinded him. And these men that were with him, they were religious fellows too. And they saw, but they, they didn't hear anything. Only Saul heard this message. And, and he said, Paul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And Jesus says to him, He says, "You know what? It's hard to kick against the go, and we lose. That doesn't really mean anything to us." What I want you to think of now: Most of you know what a cattle poker is. Um, if you've never, you don't know what one is. Let me know, and I'll find one. I'll poke you with it, and you'll get get the idea. But uh, the cattle put, you know, it's got a sharp end on it. Sometimes they are shocker, you know, they have the electrical shock, and they put up on the on the cow to get them to move and do what they want them to do. God had been working in in Saul's heart, and probably telling him, "Hey, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You shouldn't be rounding up my people. You shouldn't be doing this." And that's why I say, you know what, you're kicking against the the, the prodding of the Holy Spirit. You're you're kicking against me. You're kicking against God. And I tell you, there's some of you that I could probably wrestle with and maybe take you. There's some of you that I wouldn't want to wrestle with because you could whoop me quickly. But I can tell you something. I know for a fact none of us want to wrestle with God because you ain't going to win. Remember, Jacob in the Old Testament tried that. He wrestled with God, and, and he walked with a, a limp, his hip a uh, joint, the rest of his life. But he was also changed by God. Paul had this tremendous change that went in his life where he was going to round up Christians so that they could be imprisoned and killed, and then God speaks to him, gets a hold of his heart somewhere in the story that it's not told to he becomes a believer. He accepts the atoning death of Jesus Christ and becomes saved. Hopefully, you know, God doesn't have to get our attention by blinding us. But you can rest assured, friend, that when God's trying to get your attention and you're not listening, God will get your attention. And he'll bring a bigger stick each time until you finally get the hint. So we find him persecuting, but three days later, his tune has changed. He's no longer wanting to thwart uh, the church, the people of the way. Now we find him and he's proclaiming in the synagogues, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, He's saying Jesus was and is who he said he is. He was the one that was promised so long ago. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior that we've been looking for. And boy, the people were amazed and they were confused. They said, listen, isn't this the guy that's caused all the trouble in Jerusalem? And isn't he here in our town to round up those people of the way? But Paul, when it says increase all the more in strength, it would be better to say, you know what, he... Increased in determination and passion and zeal. He the people he didn't let their doubt or their bewilderment stop him from proclaiming the truth that God had shown him. Paul's life had been changed by being blinded. But Paul was not the only one in Acts chapter nine. That was changed. There were some other folks that were changed as well. There was a change in the church. There was also a change that day in the people of the way, those that knew Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Take a look with me in verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Go and arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias did something a lot of religious people do. Say, Lord, I know this joker. And I know he's caused a lot of problems. So I really don't think you mean what you're saying. You surely don't mean it, Lord, because this dude has done some bad stuff. You can't save him. He ain't going to be a member of my church. So he says, Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man and how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. In verse 14, And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things you must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell something from his eyes, something like scales, that he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized so that when he received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. The very people that he had come to round up and cart off back to Jerusalem so that they could be persecuted, imprisoned, and killed, he was hanging out with them. Thankful that Ananias was obedient to the Lord. By the way, I think... God would have found somebody else had Ananias not been obedient. God would have used somebody else to accomplish his plan. And that's the wonderful thing about God, is that God will accomplish his will with or without us, but he'd a whole lot rather us have a part in it. And we're the ones that miss out on the blessings when we refuse to be a part of what God wants us to do. We miss out, not God, because God's will is going to be accomplished with or without us. But when it's fulfilled without us, we miss out on being a part of what God is doing. And so, Ananias addresses Saul as brother. And says, I have prayed pray for you. He laid hands on him. And the Holy Spirit indwelled the Apostle Paul. Look down at verse twenty-three now with me. Verse twenty-three: When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, referring to Saul, who, by the way, just a few days earlier was a hero to them. And you know they, you know, cheered him and were excited and were on team Saul. But circumstances changed, and they were now plotting to kill him. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. In other words, they were waiting to ambush him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke of him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Wow. How the tables have turned. And how the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and the Lordship of Jesus Christ had worked in the disciples, those in Damascus and those in Jerusalem. Those in Damascus, those that Paul remember, we know him as Saul right now, was coming to arrest these very disciples. He was coming to bind them up, cart them off, and bring them to Jerusalem so that they would be put to death. In a great stroke of irony, those that Paul came To lead to their death. It saved Paul from his. Not just once, but twice. Because the Jews were after him. But then the Greeks got after him too. So the religious and the secular were seeking after him. And they let him down the wall, uh, I guess in this unprotected or you know, obscure place. They set him free. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody's my enemy and they've done me wrong, or they've even thought about doing me wrong, I'm not very prone to help them out. But because these fellows had the Holy Spirit inside of them, and Paul had the Holy Spirit inside of him, and they were part of the family of God, they were able to overlook that, and able to overlook what Paul had done in the past. As a side note, how often do we in the church, we hold past mistakes and past sins and past failings against people. If God is forgiven and forgotten, we probably need to too. And so Paul continued to preach Jesus that he was the Messiah, and undoubtedly people got saved. And he was causing such a stir, not even among the religious folks, but upon the secular folks, because the secular folks were becoming not secular anymore, but becoming religious. The Greeks didn't like him either. And they wanted to kill him. And so the disciples, and these are the apostles, those big 11, that didn't want to receive him at first, but they didn't think he was, They knew who he was, they knew what a rascal he was. And they said, You know what? I don't want to. And yet, on the testimony of Barnabas, who, by the way, in perhaps another stroke of irony, is going to go on a missionary journey with the Apostle Paul and help him be, be, begin to be one of the world's greatest in the uh, church planners. So Ananias was changed. He became loving and forgiving. Why? Because Jesus had loved him, and Jesus had forgiven him. And Ananias knew if he had been re- received grace and forgiveness, he had to give it. The other disciples that whose lives had been threatened, that, that Saul was coming after, had forgiven him. Why? They too had been given a fresh start they too had been changed. And so they were able to deliver Saul from the death that he intended to deliver to them. The apostles, those that had walked and talked with Jesus and would become the leaders of the church early, didn't want to have anything to do with them. Other people in the church, other disciples were also certainly included in that group. They didn't want to have anything to do with him either because they knew what a rascal he'd been. And yet the Spirit began to speak and testify, and they said, you know what, he is one of us. So we find here this morning lots of people in Acts chapter 9 that have been changed. Because when you receive a fresh start from an almighty, all-loving, all-gracious God, it changes you. And so the question we end with this morning is this. Have you been changed? And maybe we should better ask it this way. Are you being changed? Is God working in your life? Is God changing you? Is God redeemed you? You know, if God hasn't changed you to start with, today would be a great day. Before God has to blind you, before God has to send you in exile, before God has to do something crazy to get your attention, it would be a great time to say, you know what, Lord, here I am. Lord, forgive me, Lord save me. And He will. Maybe you're here today, and you know what? You have been saved, but perhaps you've been like some of these early uh, apostles and disciples that are a little skeptical of the change that Jesus can bring in a person's life. And so maybe you've found a fresh start, but you've been keeping others from finding their fresh start. Maybe God would use this message to say to you today, you've had yours. And part of you being changed is you extending forgiveness. This is how Paul puts it. This fellow that life had been delivered by people that he was coming to seek their life. This is how he puts it in Colossians. He says it this way, As Christ forgave you, forgive men. As Christ forgave you. The Apostle Paul was certainly a man that was going to know suffering and persecution. And yet he kept on preaching Jesus and he kept telling people about Jesus and the difference in what Jesus had done to him, how he met him on the road to persecute Christians. And Jesus got a hold of his heart, blinded him, spoke to him, you know, blinded him for three days and then delivered his sight. And called him to be an apostle. And by the way, most, a great portion of the New Testament that we have is written by this scoundrel named Saul that we met this morning in Acts chapter 9. Because Saul had been changed to Paul and his life had been totally transformed, he found a new start. And he continually grew and found new start after new start after new start. And when God was dealing with his heart and dealing with his life, he responded. And friend, the thing about God is that he'll speak to you, he'll try to prod you, but he's not going to force you. And i assure you of this thing. I said it this morning at 9 o'clock, I'll say it at 11 o'clock. The most miserable person on earth is a Christian who is out of fellowship with God. A person who hears God and is continually rejecting God's voice and rejecting God's leading. They're miserable because they know they're not where they're meant to be and where they should be. And they're missing the blessings and the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace that God wants to extend to them and the change that God wants to wrought in their life. And so they're miserable. But their misery is brought upon themselves. They've done it to themselves. And all it takes to quit being the most miserable person on earth is calling out to God, saying, Lord, forgive me. And God restores us and gives us yet again another fresh start. We looked at Peter and we looked at Legion. And this week we've looked at Paul. All of these men, were men that came and experienced, they experienced failing. They experienced hurt. But they found wholeness and forgiveness and mercy and grace in one place. And in one person, it was a person of Jesus Christ. And you can experience that same thing today. So, have you been changed? I haven't said, have you, do you come to Church. In church, not what makes you right before God. Have you been changed? Only you know the answer to that. I can guess, and usually there's some evidence of one way or the other, but you are the only one that really knows. You and God. And if you say, you know what, the answer really is no, I've not been changed. Today you can change that and start a new, fresh start with the Lord. Just like Paul saying, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He's the one that came to deliver. And Paul said, hey, listen, he's delivered me, and if he can deliver me, he can deliver you. Maybe there was a time when the Lord changed your life, but it's been a long time. It's not God that's moved. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. And so if that's true, and it is, and you're not as close to God as you once were, who moved? It wasn't God. It was you. And so God says to you, you know what? You better get back home where you belong. And oftentimes in our Christian life, there's times when, you know what, God says, you better get back home because we've wandered down a street we shouldn't be on. And God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness is so great that it doesn't matter how rough the road is that we've turned on. If we'll turn to him, he'll forgive us and he'll redeem us and give us yet another fresh start. If you don't believe me, look at the life of Paul. Look at Ananias. Look at the other disciples and the other apostles. Look at Peter. Look at this man that we know in the Bible as Legion. Jesus can save and, and Jesus is the God of fresh starts. And I want you to have yours, friend. Let me close with this. Change sometimes is a hard process. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's painful. But when Jesus is the one that's doing the operating, we're sure it's always going to be successful. And recovery is assured. And if Jesus is cutting something out of our life, he's cutting it out because it doesn't belong there. It keeps us from being who he created us to be. And maybe he's cutting it out to make room for something else, something better. So we need to trust him and surrender to him. And I pray God doesn't have to blind us or imprison us. Or bring famine to us, or all the other th- you know ways that God has to get our attention. I hope we'll just listen and we'll say, "God, I've heard." you. God save me. God forgive me. God give me that fresh start. Let's pray together, Lord. We love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love. And our prayer is this morning: If there's one that's never had a fresh start from you, that today would be the day. They would come to know their fresh start. They would find new life in you today by acknowledging their sin and believing that you are the Son of God that died on, on the cross that shed your innocent blood so that I could have life. That whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. and That they would call out to you as, as Lord and Savior. And Lord, your word assures us that if we'll do that, we become your children. We're forgiven and our life is new. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today that, Lord, they've had that first fresh start and they have new life in you, but that new life has gotten kind of dusty and cracked and and maybe down some wrong roads. And Lord, today they would need to turn back to you and say, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation just like King David did. Lord, maybe there's a sin that needs to be forsaken. Maybe there's forgiveness that needs to be sought. Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to be your children. God, we're so thankful that you are a God of fresh starts. We're thankful that no matter how we have failed you, you love us. And if we'll turn from our sin and our wicked way, you hear us and you forgive us. And you make us new yet again. Lord, help us to live that. And Lord, help us to share it. Perhaps the greatest part of of Paul's message in Acts chapter 9's message. And Ananias' message and the apostles' message is that if Jesus has changed you, he can change anyone. You need to let people know that. And Lord, would you bring people across our paths that by divine appointment need a touch from you and, and help us to be able to share our story and how you've redeemed us. And Lord, leave them with the assurance that if God can change us and God can save us, he can do the same for them. Help us to be Your hands and feet. Help us to be obedient. Help us to hear You and obey You. Help us to never work against You. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, friend. And God spoke into your heart and there's a decision that you need to make today. Today would be a great day and this would be a great time and a great place to make things right with the Lord. Say, you know what? I want a fresh start. January 23rd, 2022, my fresh start with the Lord. Me how great is our God and all we'll see how great how great is our God. Friend, I hope you know how great our God is. I hope you've seen that and know that. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been changed, you can say that. And if you can say that, there's people that you need to say it to. Because they need to find that new life and that fresh start just like God's given you a fresh start. We all know people who need a fresh start. And you might just be the one that God uses. Please remember uh, these prayer requests and uh, hope you'll join us Wednesday night um, in the fellowship hall. Um, at 7 o'clock, we continue our study of First Samuel. Uh, Rekindle group. Remember, be praying for our groups that meet tomorrow starting at 5 o'clock. Um, and then be praying throughout this week and ask the Lord to uh, bless our church, bless the leaders of our church as we meet next Sunday afternoon. Um, And I hope you have a great week. I hope to see you again uh, soon. God bless you. Have a great day. Uh, Brother George, dismiss us in prayer, please.